Welcome to the Market Moment. Uh, I'm here with Eli today. Yeah. We're, we're running the show. We got all the big guys are doing other things. I'm so. just happy to be here alive and well. Oh, yeah. Tell me about, uh, <laughs> nobody knows this, but Eli was on vacation in Colorado. Yeah. In my favorite little city, Breckenridge. Mm-hmm. And you have, a, you have a wild animal story. Well, tell us the, tell I mean, us the story. I mean, keep it short, but I was charged <laughs> by two mooses. It, do you say mooses? Charged by two moose? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I would. Say, I have no two. idea. <laughs> it's not mice. Two, two, um, two <laughs> This is off to a great start. There were two moose, and they charged you. That's right. That's that's the deal. And I climbed ten feet of mountain in snowshoes quicker than you could say snow. Yeah, and you were pretty scared, I imagine, at that point. Yeah, correct. Heart was beating out my chest. Because these are h- how many pounds were these animals? I don't know. Huge. No, they're huge. Too big. And they, big. they you, you will not win a fight against a moose but is the point. while I was climbing the mountains, the stocks were going up. That's true. You led, you led <laughs> yeah. to the stock market rally. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Eli was gone a few days on a, a well-deserved vacation, and the market just continues to kind of outperform. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to get right into some of these little data points here. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, stocks are at a record high. Uh, but some of the favorite stuff from 2023 are, are lagging a little bit. And then some of the stuff that we thought was going to take off is lagging. So let's get into that. Mm-hmm. Tech sector outpacing S&P 500, but the stocks that rallied at the end of 2023 are lagging. Sluggish start to 2024 raising the question whether the good news investors were expecting on interest rates later this year has already been priced in for small caps. A Bank of America survey conducted from January 5th to 11th showed investors see large cap companies underperforming small cap companies in the next 12 months for the first time since June of 2021. That, that, that's <clears throat> not crazy. If, right. if you look at last year, what, what companies outperformed, we've talked about this over and over and over. Large companies completely outperformed small companies last year. And specifically seven big names. Yeah, exactly. and, and they did that in 2022. A couple years of big outperformance from one sector, at some point, not it doesn't have to be 2024, but at some point, those smaller companies should revert back to where they're outperforming large companies to get just back to a more average valuation of companies. I agree. You know, small cap stocks, that has been the story, right? Going into 2024, a lot mm-hmm. of predictions were that they were going to lead the market. Because of the... The price. Exactly. They're, they were cheap. If exactly. you looked at large cap companies priced to what they have made, they were much more expensive than small companies. Exactly. So, sorry. And, no, sorry no, you're right. exactly right. <clears throat> but also, I would say this on the interest rate cycle, when you have rising interest rates, small company stocks tend to get squeezed. They're higher leveraged. Mm-hmm. So small company stocks are going to borrow more money. So as rates go higher, their cost of borrowing goes higher, which slows down, stalls the growth of that company or their mm-hmm. chance to continue to perform. So that was a, the, a headwind, right? Well, now the Fed is priced in, or we have priced in, not the Fed. The Fed has told us they're going to lower rates. <clears throat> the stock market prices in, and sometimes I think they're over uh, exuberant about this, yeah. right? Because we oh, have a, were. a stat in here that says that most of them thought we were going to have the first rate cut, cut in March of this year. Mm-hmm. And that has slowly dissipated because mm-hmm. things aren't looking like, like the Fed's going to do that now. But that gave the small caps this idea that it was going to rally. As mm-hmm. interest rates fall down, small caps will also rally. But I think it could be a little bit later down the road in this year. Yeah. But I do think at the end of this year, I do think small cap stocks will outperform. I think it's going to be a little while. I think if small cap stocks as college graduates, 
because they have they have great potential for growth. Yep, some of them. <laughs> some, but they also <laughs> they also have great potential to not grow. That and they're probably going to be impacted most by debt or leverage. So if, right way to if look you can it. think of small cap companies as people in their 20s graduating college yep. and how they would have to view the world, small companies are priced similarly to that. Now, that, that is a huge summary. <laughs> no, that's a good, good way to look at it. And then there's some guys and gals that graduate college that you don't know how they did it, right? And those small cap stocks are the ones that are going to fall apart. Those are, those are, well, those are penny stocks. Yeah, those are they, the penny stocks. <laughs> they, they, that could be a 15 times banger. <laughs> that's right. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the market is the, the, the bottom line, you know, coming back to the, the market. Uh -huh. We've hit all time highs in the Dow and the S&P just recently in the, and, and yesterday, intraday hit all time highs. Uh, that is fantastic. And I think there's a lot of including yours truly that mm -hmm. has more a pessimistic view of 2024. And I, and I did have for the record, more of a pessimistic view of 2023. And I was wrong. And there was a point on this podcast six months ago or so mm -hmm. where I made a bold claim that I thought the market would be lower at the end of the year than it was at that time. And I was wrong. I think I said the same. Yeah. And I was wrong. We were wrong. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but, you know, we're not going to – you can't – this thing is a, is a hard thing to predict. Mm -hmm. We were at a, uh, a dinner on, on Wednesday night, and it was fantastic. The, they showed the 20 top analysts on Wall Street and their predictions for the stock market for both 2023, which had ended – and 2024. And I found it fascinating because of the 20, there was a huge disparity between what the, the, the worst prediction was versus mm -hmm. the best prediction. In 2023, it was like a 30% difference <laughs> in return. <clears throat> 2024, it's about a 22% difference in return. But when you take all 20 and you divide them by 20, it looks like we're going to have no return. Mm -hmm. And my, my point is, these are the 20 best analysts on Wall Street. We take their data, we look at it, and how, how, how can you and I know what's make a going decision. to happen? Right. How can you make a decision based on – and here's – you know, I backtrack on this. There are things that I think are in this economy that scare me. There are lots of things. One of them is our national debt that is out of control and mm -hmm. our Congress that is not willing to fix it. And so I, I, <clears throat> I know that's going to bite us. That could be years from now. It goes back to, and I know it's not going to get long-winded, but it goes back to the, we talked about this last week, the, the uh, real estate bubble crash of 2008 was affected by the 1996 Everybody Deserves a Home Act. Mm -hmm. It took that long for that to spill into the economy. So you don't know how long that's going to, you know, how long that is, but there are things in here that are going to be massive headwinds to the economy at some point. Mm -hmm. And I do think a recession, but... This is the thing. I could say there's a recession coming, and at some point I'm going to be right because that's a natural part of the economy, right? Mm -hmm. We go through recessions. We rebound from recessions. Sometimes recessions are good. They kind of clean it out. They get everybody back to normal, and we build back up, and we, we fix problems. So I'm not, you know, even though I'm saying that I think there's some headwinds and I think 2024 could be rough, I could be wrong on that, of course. Mm -hmm. Our strategy at Mach 1 is not to let that interfere with how we invest for our clients. No. It, and I think a lot of times recession comes out as a extremely negative word, but recession can be healthy for many different industries. For example, I don't think we need as many regional and small banks as we have in the United States. Now, I'm not saying that we need one bank to control, and, and month, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of banks. That, that could be a good thing, but that also, do we need that? Do we need that many banks? A recession and something 
like the interest rate environment might weed out the bad players, <clears throat> like what we've seen. Yeah. Interest rates went up, a couple bad players were weeded out. There could be more that are weeded out. There have been more, just smaller, smaller in scale. There would be a lot more <clears throat> weeded out had we had we had the same policies we did before the financial crisis. Oh yeah, the same Fed policies, the same reserve requirements. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff has changed. Worked worked better. It, yeah, I believe it worked better as well. And then we had this long strand of, of fifteen years of zero percent interest rate, mm-hmm. or or very close to it, you know, uh, very low rates. And we had this where banks and everybody was kind of healthy because you didn't have, and even our federal government could benefit from that because. Mm-hmm you weren't paying high interest rate on all this massive debt you were accumulating. I think now <clears throat> it's that's going to be a taxing event on banks and on you know again, going yeah. on our federal government but <clears throat> it is you'd be foolish to say <clears throat> that everything is rosy, that everything is perfect, that we're going to avoid any bad things from all of the spending we did from 2000, you know from the COVID era. Sure. That spending has gone away, the dollars are off the table, <clears throat> interest rates uh, have played a massive role in the short term. And I think that's not felt yet on some of the smaller companies. We talked open this thing about mm-hmm. where small cap companies haven't, you know, we're supposed to rally, but they haven't yet because rates are supposed to go down, but they haven't yet. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that haven't happened, but they're supposed to happen. <laughs> There's just a lot of question marks, a lot of clouds. And anyway, I'll, I'll be quiet. I'm rambling. Yeah. It's when we talk about all of this, the timing of small caps, the timing of large cap, the, the moving from one sector to the other and equal weight and market cap, all of these terms should not make an investor, someone listening to the podcast, someone listening to any form of financial podcast, your plans should be set and changes shouldn't be made drastically quickly. Right. The plan should be set based on what you need, what your life needs, what, what you want out of your life. And the changes, all of this stuff that we talk about, it's fun to talk about, yeah. but it shouldn't impact your financial plan. So it's funny. <clears throat> Don't we let emotion ch- control a lot of our lives? Yeah. And emotion controls our investment lives. The American investor fails because they, they let emotion control mm-hmm. their investment in, uh, life. So <clears throat> if you're younger and you're in a 401k plan, who cares what the market does? You actually root for the market to go down because you're buying more shares every paycheck. Mm-hmm. So in reality, young folks that have years to retirement... Yeah. They shouldn't even watch the news. 2022 <laughs> is mean, a dream. Exactly. I would not watch the news. I would advise you not to care. <laughs> right it, took, now. it took, what, 14 months to reach all-time new highs? Yeah. It was October. I think October 22 was the low. So January of 24. Yeah. 14 months. Exactly. Go back to 2007. <clears throat> the stock market, the, the Dow, the, uh, Dow was at 14,000. It fell to 6,400 on March 7th of 2009. I think I've got that right. 6,400, went from 14,000 to 6,400, and people panicked and the emotion got in and they, they got in the market. They're never going to be in the market again. Now we're at 38,000. <laughs> I mean, it's gone from 6,400 to 38,000 in a very small amount of time, short amount of time in relative terms. And you missed out on that if you let mm-hmm. emotion. And that's the same thing that's, that could happen this year. We could have spooky things happen. But if you're, if you're in it for the long term, it's, yeah. it's no big deal. Here's one of the negative comments that we've heard over and over, and I've even talked about it on the podcast. Our spending is yes. getting fairly out of control. It is out of control. And and this is an article. If you look at the article, it's really not that well written of an article. Yeah. It, it doesn't bring statistics. It doesn't bring numbers, but it's based on a lot of feeling. Right. But take that out of the picture. Basically what the article is saying is people are spending more than they're making. And you, you can see that if you look at U.S. credit card debt, 
it, credit card debt is soaring and it's it's soaring people are spending too much that could be another reason why people are kind of bearish about what's going to happen because once people can't spend then <laughs> all of our economy it, it really hurts our economy if people can't spend their money exactly but retracing <clears throat> it, i've talked about retracing do you, do you yeah. know the term yeah, retracing yeah. it's once you're used to a lifestyle it's incredibly difficult to go away from that lifestyle yeah. once you've got leather in your car it's hard to go claw oh, you're right once you once you have delivery it's hard to go pick it up yourself yep. it's it's really <clears throat> hard and it's just our human nature it's yep. hard to backtrace yep. from from what we're used to so spending's out of control um, i'm gonna add to this i think spending is is the big big concern that I have. If, if companies start feeling the heat that, that the spending is going down because we don't have the ability to spend, mm-hmm. and then they forecast that and they start laying off workers, which I think is going to happen. And this, mm-hmm. this is where I think it's going to turn into yeah. that recession when yeah. the employment rate starts to go up. Uh, but I also think on the federal level, and I'm not, not trying to get too into the weeds on this, but again, I've said this a million times, shame on our federal government. They keep, they keep, having these last minute deals that push the thing out, mm-hmm. you know, another, another month, another three months, another six months. I'm convinced that they do not care. But when your federal government, you know, if, if, if we ran our household, like the federal government runs their household, <laughs> which is our household, mm-hmm. we're all paying into the federal government every year. We're getting ready to make lots of tax payments or, you know, we've been making tax payments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frustrating to see how, frivolously they're using our dollars see we as consumers can't keep doing that eventually our credit cards max out eventually our ability to borrow is 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 taken away from us Mm -hmm. federal government doesn't live by those standards but their debt is going to pass down to us at some point (laughs) and then you couple that with our debt that we are accumulating massively with our credit card highs and so on and interest rates being higher this is kind of a perfect storm for for things to unravel again not to be the ultimate pessimist on this show, but I, I read these kind of articles and I don't disagree. Yeah. There's plenty of counter arguments to that argument though. And if you look at the, how much of the world holds us debt, the, the need for us debt to stay stable, there's, there's plenty of need behind the U S being stable. And that in itself is a self-fulfilling prophecy and has been continuously. Now there will be a point and there has been in every, every, uh, largest government that throughout history yeah. where we are not the largest holder of, of debt right. where someone else becomes. But currently we have the best laws. Mm. We have the best checks and balances. There's not a country that I would want to put my money in more than the U.S. debt. And as long as... Liechtenstein. <laughs> That's Lichtenstein. maybe it. I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little country wedged yeah. in, in Europe there. So... Hey, let's get to the let's get to the yeah. com- the comment. The comment. So I like that. We we posted a, a short on YouTube. Our media director is doing a great job of of clipping out some of the. Zoe is a, a rock star. Not to overuse that term, she's fantastic. Doing great. Yep. So cutting out certain parts of our podcast. The last one that she cut out was uh, us discussing the housing market, and J to the R O K. So J to the R O K. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, I think you are. Commented yep. on it. Housing prices have tripled since the last time we saw a federal minimum wage increase. It, federal minimum wage increase. If you remove the 1%, wages have gone up less than 20% in the last 30 years. Not completely sure what he's saying there, but housing has gone up significantly more than that. He's saying housing's gone up more than income. Yeah. Okay, so, so I take this, and I know there's a bigger uh, part of this comment, right? Mm-hmm. 
So then after that, he said shelter is a basic human right, not an investment. Hmm. Okay, so that's an interesting, that's an interesting statement, right? Mm-hmm. But your, your right to shelter and food and all that stuff, you also have to contribute to get that, correct? Uh, this is how I'll say on that, and I know you and I are going to have some fun with this topic. Um, this is where I have, I have uh, a heart for a lot of people out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say this, rents are going up. Housing is harder to get because of interest rates, mm-hmm. but also yeah. because of, of just, you know, the cost of housing has not gone down. And, and the reason now, going back to that comment, housing is not going up because it's a sinister to keep people from getting housing. Housing is going up because it's a product of supply and demand. demand. Right, and so housing is maintaining this higher level because mm-hmm. our supply was shortened all the way back to the financial crisis where we didn't build homes for three mm-hmm. or four years. So we're still catching up on supply. But you notice that apartment r- buildings and, and apartments are booming as well, and the rents are going up because they can charge more mm-hmm. because but they there's more people, supply. That, the supply and demand. So that's unfortunate. That will correct itself over time. And sometimes that might take a recession or whatever to correct itself. I do think housing is a cyclical event. And this is where I think young people especially are misled or or have a a little bit different understanding. When I first looked to get our first house in the 1990s, we had to have 20% down. We had to have a certain credit score. We had to have a debt to income ratio of a certain level. And they weren't easy marks to hit. So it wasn't, it was hard to get a house for a, you know, out of college, graduate, trying to build your, your life up. And I think that's, re, you know, we've recycled back to that yeah. based on the economic conditions, but I don't think it's here permanently. Yeah. And it'll I, go away. This is, this may be offensive. I don't think housing is a right. You have a right to housing when you pay for it. It's a basic need. It's a need. Yeah. It is a need, but you have to pay for your need. So it's, I don't think it's on, uh, Maybe I need to think about this more. I don't think it's on our government to provide housing for all people because that's what a right would be. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I, and I look at it like you're, we are a capitalist country, whether people want to believe that or not or want to accept that anymore or not. I've lived in Germany for eight years, mm-hmm. and it's a socialist, more of a socialist design, and there are perks to that. There are good things about that. There are bad things about that. Um, in Germany, for example, 55% of your check goes to the government wow. on every check. When you die in France, 40% of your estate goes to the government. There wow. are no loopholes. There's no way to get in a trust account to cover that. Or So the point is there are prices to pay mm-hmm. for all of that government help. And I'm of the firm opinion, the less government involvement, the better <laughs> for all. And I do think now I do think there's people on the bottom that need to be lifted up. And how do we do that? And again, going back that everybody deserves a home act passed by Bill Clinton's Congress back in 1996 was a fantastic idea. And it did help. Mm -hmm. It had a bad effect, side effect because of greed of really of the mortgage companies backed by banks. Mm -hmm. But that's a long story. We won't get into it. Watch (laughs) the big short or boomerang and you'll figure that out. But, you know, that's there's a. There's a way to try to help and lift people yeah. without giving them something that they don't have the, uh, that they don't know how to go earn. There's a sign in Yellowstone that says, do not feed the animals for in the winter when you're not here, they will, they will have forgotten how to hunt and they will die. Mm-hmm. Right? So the more you give to somebody, the more they expect it, the less ability or desire they have to go hunt and 
earn it. Yeah. So thank you for your comments. We really appreciate any comment that you have. We would love to respond to it. It gives us some, some topics and keeps us from saying dad jokes. Zoe, make sure that we have a dad joke if we do not have comments. And you don't so want those. We Keep do. the comments coming. Yeah, we don't want the, it. They're actually all written by John. Yeah, yeah. I live those jokes. Uh, there are a lot of them made about me yeah. directly. So if you like this, please give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Press the subscribe button so that each time that we have one of these videos comes out, it comes up on your feed. It really helps us out, helps you to, to see some good content every week. So thank you for joining us on The Market Moment. We look forward to having you next week. The hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Rogers, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, click on the link in the episode description below.